This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome into the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I am Matt Verderam. Patrick Allen, unfortunately, not with us this week. He is dealing with an illness. He's been dealing with it all week long, so our uh, thoughts are with him. He says it's not the coronavirus, so I'm going to trust him on that. Uh, Look, for the next 30 minutes... You have me. Normally, this podcast is 60 minutes, right? But I don't think anybody wants to hear me talk by myself for 60 straight minutes. I know I don't. And if I'm not interested in hearing me for 60 minutes, Lord knows you aren't and you shouldn't be if you are, uh, maybe I I suggest a hobby. Uh, But look, we get right into this podcast by saying, first of all, thank you for listening. We really, really appreciate it. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast anywhere podcasts can be found and leave us a rating and review. That last part is so critical. If you leave a question in the review, we'll answer it on the next pod. We check every week. We check almost every day. It is so appreciated when people take the time to do it, and so we want to reciprocate by taking the time to answer your thoughtful question. And if you're trying to find where the podcast could be so you can subscribe, it is literally everywhere. Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, you name it, it's there. All right, so that being said, It's Raider Week in Kansas City. And that is something that we all typically smile about, at least since the Schottenheimer days, because the Chiefs usually win these games. In fact, Derek Carr has never won a game at Arrowhead Stadium. We'll get into that in more detail in a little bit. But for now, let's set the scene. Okay, The Chiefs come off their their win over New England to get to 4-0, luckily walk out of there without any injuries. Injury report on Wednesday, pretty clean. Chris Jones still limited with the groin. Mike Dana didn't practice. Uh, but it seems as though Kansas City is pretty much going to be at full strength. And, of course, they get cornerback Rashad Breland back from his four-game suspension. So Kansas City is really in a nice spot here as they go into the second quarter of the season. At 4-0, with a two-game lead in the AFC West over the Raiders, a three-game lead over the Chargers and Broncos. The Raiders are coming in off a pair of losses to AFC East teams. They went up to New England Week 3. They got beat pretty significantly there. Of course, Cam Newton did play in that game. 
Uh, and then they came home and last week lost to the Bills by double digits. Look, Buffalo went up and down the field the entire game, ended up scoring 30 points. The Raiders had some critical turnovers in the second half, end up losing that game and dropping to 2-2. Two and two. So, big game for Vegas as, as the Raiders try to get to 3-2, and two, cut that lead to 1 in the division. Meanwhile, the Chiefs have a golden opportunity. Okay, If they win this game, they're three games up on the Raiders with a breaker in hand. Yes, they got to see him again, but they get him off a bye later in the year on Sunday Night Football. you got to feel good if you're a Chiefs fan about that. The Chargers and, and the Broncos have tough games as well this week. We'll get to all that later on. But for now, let's start with the Raiders and the Chiefs. Week 5, Arrowhead Stadium. What else could you ask for? And by the way, the weather is supposed to be absolutely gorgeous. 84 degrees and sunny right now, the forecast for that game. You you cannot have a better day for October football. So, every week over at Fansided, I do this piece that goes out on Wednesday mornings, a thousand words or less on the entire week in the NFL. And so I try to find three little nuggets that I think are interesting for each game. And so here are the three nuggets. And I'm going to kind of expound upon each one as, as I go along. So here's something I think the Raiders can exploit if the Chiefs aren't careful. The Raiders are third best in the NFL with 14.5 yards per punt return. The Chiefs rank 28th in covering punts in terms of yards per return at 12.5. Now, it's a touch misleading, and here's why. The Chiefs do not give up a lot of returns. In fact, and I don't have it right in front of me, I believe they've only given up four punt returns this year. So they get a lot of touchbacks, fair catches, Tommy Townsend's been excellent this year in his rookie debut. So the Chiefs aren't a bad coverage unit per se, but if a team tries to return a punt, the, the Chiefs have struggled at times. So Dave Tobe, I'm sure that's something he's working on there. Um, and the Raiders, they can break one. They've got some guys with a lot of speed. Henry Ruggs, who's been out the last couple of weeks, he might be back. He practiced on Wednesday. He, of course, their first-round pick, the receiver out of Alabama, who a lot of people liken to Tyreek Hill, has that kind of blinding speed. So if you're the Chiefs, one thing that you want to do, have, ta- have Townsend hang him high. Hang him high, get down there, cover, kick it out of the end zone, take the touchback. If, if you can make this Raiders offense go 80 yards with Derek Carr, you do it all day long. Now, they got weapons. You've got to respect the weapons the Raiders have. Josh Jacobs, who's not having a great year, only averaging 3.6 yards per carry, he's still a very good player who could go off at any time. And and Carr is at least an average quarterback. They've got a good offensive line. They've got some players on the perimeter. And Waller is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. I think Darren Waller is top five at the worst. I'd argue he's right behind that Kittle-Kelsey-Ertz grouping. So the Raiders, while talented offensively, you want to make him go that full 80. Don't worry about kicking you know, to rugs and hoping you can pin him on a, on a short return. Now, for the Chiefs, the best mismatch, and frankly, there were a, a handful of them I could have gone with here. Patrick Mahomes is going to have time to throw the ball in this game. Okay, Las Vegas ranks 28th in the league with a 17.5% pressure rate. So what does that mean? It means that if Mahomes dropped back 100 times in this game, that the Raiders only pressure him 17 to 18 times. Obviously, that's a problem if you're the Raiders. Okay, the other problem for the Raiders is not only do they not get a lot of pressure, even when they get it, they don't convert him into sacks. Max Crosby's a very good young player, second-year kid. He has three sacks this season. Hell of a year. The rest of the team combined has won. They cannot get 
pressure. They struggle to do it. They're not a big blitzing team. Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator, typically doesn't like to bring a whole lot of extra bodies. Vegas can't get home. And so Mahomes is going to be able to sit in the pocket and throw the ball and throw the ball consistently. Now, if you go and look, the Raiders have played good offensive lines. The Panthers were the worst one they faced. They faced them week one, won that game in a shootout. Saints have a good line. Pats have a good line. Bills have a very good line. Well, guess what? Kansas City has a very good line. Okay? And Coletio Assembly might even have a little something extra for the Raiders considering they let him go a couple years back. So that, to me, is, is going to be the biggest thing that I think the Raiders are going to have to overcome in this game. They're not going to get pressure on Mahomes in this game. They're not. And they're missing Damon Arnett, who is their other first-round pick. They took him a few picks after Ruggs. Corner out of Ohio State. He is out with a hand injury. He's on IR. Rich Incognito, uh, Pro Bowl guard for the Raiders, also on IR. He's not going to play in this game. And they have a huge laundry list of players who are limited and not practicing right now, um, including just about every star you can think of outside a car. So this is going to be a huge challenge for them. Now, you get a lot of people talking about, well, did the Pats show a blueprint? Yeah, sure. If you have Bill Belichick and you have J.C. Jackson and Stephon Gilmore and Devin McCourty, yeah. But last I checked, the Raiders don't have any of those guys. Most teams don't. And the Pats are so great at being amoebic and, and one week to the next changing and looking completely different. They're very chameleon-esque. Most teams in the league, including the Raiders, are not like that. They're going to play how they're going to play. They try to execute their scheme the best they can. They hope it works. I say to them, good luck with that. Now, here's a stat to know in this game. The Raiders and Chiefs are second and third, respectively, in drives ending in a score. 55.3 and 55.2%. So what does that mean? Both teams can get up and down the field. They can score some points. Now, the Raiders have not scored as many points as the Chiefs. Why is that? Well, because in the red zone, uh, you're going to see at times the Raiders struggle down there. They have not run the ball particularly well. I touched on that earlier. Okay, And then Carr is very, very tentative with the football and that's something that has been a, a bugaboo for them for a long time it's I'm not breaking any new ground with that but the Raiders are always going to look for Waller in the red zone first he's the big top target once you get past Waller they don't have the big wide receivers Ruggs is a smaller guy Brian Edwards who actually is a bigger rookie receiver has played very well he's hurt he's got an ankle injury he's not ruled out yet but he didn't practice on Wednesday it would be kind of surprising if he does play okay when you look at at the offense for the Raiders, okay, a couple of things jump out. First of all, both of these teams, by the way, one and two on third down. The Chiefs are 53.8, best in the NFL conversion rate on third down. The Raiders are 52.9. So that's something that the Chiefs are going to have to make sure that they, they handle and they're better than, than the Raiders at. But I talked about the red zone. The Raiders are 20th in the league in the red zone, 57.1%. Excuse me, 58.8. Looking at the wrong column. 58.8. It's not the worst in the league, which is, by the way, the Giants somehow 20%. My God. Uh, but the Raiders, 58.8, 20th. The Chiefs are ninth in the league, by the way, at just under 70%. So that's a big difference. That's why the Raiders aren't winning these games right now. They're moving the ball, but they're bogging down. And so if you're the Chiefs, you don't mind giving up some yardage in the middle. Not that they're you know, thrilled to do it or they're going to be trying to do it, but that's something that if, if you – are the Chiefs, if you're Steve Spagnuolo, you're not necessarily worried about it, right? So a few things to keep in mind for this game. When you're watching the game, if you're saying, well, my God, the Raiders are moving up down the field. Why can't we go up the field? 
None of it matters. If they kick a field goal in this game, they might as well be punting the football. The Chiefs do not care if the Raiders kick a field goal. Believe me. Okay? Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, Eric Bieniemy, none of them care if the Raiders are going down there and kicking 35-yard field goals. They will lose going away if they don't get in the end zone and score touchdowns. That is a major, major problem for them. Now, another problem they've got, they don't throw picks. So that's the good news, right? Like they, Carr has not thrown a pick yet this entire season. They do not have any issues when it comes to that. However, fumbles, that's been a little bit of a different story for the Raiders. All right, so Carr, he lost the fumble last week as well, um, which is something to note, of course. But they as a team have struggled with ball security. And I'm, I'm going to pull that stat up right now because I do think it matters. And this is something the Chiefs are coming off a game where they forced four turnovers a week prior. They forced a fumble on, on Lamar Jackson. Um, but that's, that is a, a major, major thing in this game. Because let's face it, if you're the Raiders, you can't afford to give away possessions. And if you're the Chiefs, you're Frank Clark and Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew and, and the like, you're going to be trying everything you possibly can to rip that ball out of the Raiders' hands. Okay? So, on the year, while, as I said, Carr, no picks, has been sacked seven times, so you can get to him. Uh, the Raiders have fumbled, the running backs have fumbled four times, Okay? Uh, and, and, and the quarterbacks include as well. So in the backfield, Carr's fumbled twice. Jacobs has fumbled once. Booker's fumbled once. Uh, Darren Waller has fumbled once. They have a lot of fumbles. And by the way, defensively, they've not forced a fumble all year long. Okay, so the Raiders have only forced two turnovers, period. Two picks, no forced fumbles. Not even not a fumble recovery. They haven't even forced one. So... The Raiders do come into this game with some bad statistics in terms of the takeaway giveaway margin. Now let's move on to something, though, that I think is really an interesting little pivot point in this game. Derek Carr sucks at Arrowhead Stadium. Sucks. He's played six games there. He's lost by an average of 18 points a game, 17.8 to be exact. The Raiders in those six games have never scored more than 17 points in a game. If they don't score 17 points, or more than 17 points, they're going to be down by an insurmountable margin at halftime. Now, in the two games where Carr and Mahomes have matched up at Arrowhead Stadium, the score has been a cumulative of 79-12. to 40-9 last year, 35-3 the year before. It has been ugly for the silver and black. Carr, in totality... Four touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's completing 54.5% of his throws, averages 192 yards per game. They are 0-6 in those games. There is no way around it. It has been a house of horrors for Derek Carr. And last year, they didn't even score a touchdown until it was complete garbage time. He threw a pick six to Thornhill, first possession of the game. He threw a pick to to Matthew, uh, who baited him, came off his, his initial coverage. And the year prior, the Raiders never got in the end zone. They had a bunch of turnovers in the game, fell behind, and, and never came back, obviously, 35-3. So Carr has not scored a meaningful touchdown in games at Arrowhead against Steve Spagnuolo. Um, that, that is, and, of course, Spagnuolo last year, the year before Sutton. But, I mean, it, he has struggled mightily. Now, here's the one thing that does make this interesting. All those games, all six, we're either in December or the first week of January. It's going to be 84 and sunny. How much does that change things? My guess, somewhat. 
I don't think it changes it a ton from the standpoint that the Chiefs are just a much better team than the Raiders. And the Chiefs are uniquely built to give Carr a lot of problems. They can cover one-on-one all the way across the board. They've got cover corners who not only can stick with their guys, but who have ball skills. We saw Fenton have a pick last week. We saw Thornhill have one. We saw Matthew have one. Well, Jerry Sneed, of course, out, but he's another corner they have with skills with two. Um, Traverius Ward has had some picks in his career. This is a team that if, if Carr throws the ball into traffic, which he is not very likely to do, just the way he plays, he's very conservative. He is Alex Smithian in that regard. But if he does, the Chiefs have the ability to pick him off. And they have obviously picked him off in Arrowhead, seven picks, six games. Okay. So that's going to be fascinating for me. And the other part of this is, assuming Chris Jones plays, Carr is not mobile, and Jones is coming right up the gut. And that is a rough matchup for any quarterback, but especially a quarterback like Carr, who does not want to have to move, who does not throw well on the run. Jones can win immediately. And if you watched last week, man, Gabe Jackson, the guard for the Raiders, he got worked against Buffalo all game long. And I got news. Chris Jones is better than anybody on the Buffalo defensive line. No offense to Ed Oliver, he ain't Chris Jones. The Chiefs, I guarantee you in this game, are going to bring a lot of pressure. They are not afraid of Carr. Spagnolo has done this in the past when he's not afraid of quarterbacks, and, and I'll point out two examples. They played Joe Flacco in Denver last year, the game that Holmes got hurt in. The Chiefs blitzed Joe Flacco in that game all night. I believe they sacked them nine times. Now, the Raiders' O-line is better than that Broncos' O-line, so don't expect nine sacks. But my point is, Spagnuolo looked at that game and went, we can man up on their receivers. We can play one high safety. We're not worried about it. We are coming after them all game. Flacco's not going to run away from us. Well, neither is Carr. And I got to tell you, I think you keep a safety in Thornhill over Ruggs. I think you bring Matthew down to try to handle Waller, maybe you bracket him a little bit. Everybody else, it's man on man. Okay, so maybe you put, you put Ward on rugs. Maybe you throw Fenton in the slot against Renfro. Breeland on the other side. You're fine. You can match up. You, you know, Breeland on Nelson Aguilar. The Chiefs aren't worried about those matchups. They'll play that all day long. And if they have to adjust, they'll adjust. But I think if you're Kansas City, you're bringing pressure all game against Carr. And by the way, the other example I was going to use from last year, the Chiefs blitz Tom Brady into next month. They had no fear of the receivers. They had no fear of Tom getting out of the pocket. And Kansas City just went after him over and over and over and over. And I guarantee you in this game, Spagnolo is going to say, we're blitzing. We're coming right up the gut. We're going to force them to have to get rid of the ball quick, which we know Carr wants to do. We're going to be aggressive on the ball in the secondary, and we're going to make plays. I, I expect that to be a plan that you're going to see. But I am interested. Carr's never played in warm weather at Arrowhead Stadium. He's going to this Sunday. And he's going to get beautiful conditions. What does he do? We'll find out. So those are a couple of things that I'm looking for in this game that'll tell me maybe how this game goes as it starts to unfold. All right. So now let's move to the AFC West, the update, some things to look for. So Broncos at Pats this weekend. So the Pats, third week in a row, they're getting an AFC West team. This game's in Foxborough. The Broncos are an 11-point underdog in the game. Brett Ripien's going to start, at least he's expected to start. For Denver's Drew Locke still works back from his AC joint injury in the shoulder there. 
it's unknown, and Ian Rapport of NFL Network said it's unlikely Cam Newton's going to play, so you could be looking at a Brett Ripping uh, matchup with Jared Stidham. I would advise you not to turn on the television. Uh, or just, my God, don't don't uh, break away from the Chiefs game. It, it, it Just stay for the post game because the Pats game is 425. I don't think anybody wants any part of that. So the Pats are an 11-point favorite. They're at home. There's a reason they're an 11-point favorite, even with the uncertainty of quarterback. They are a much better team. Denver has just been racked by injuries. Injuries are never an excuse in the NFL because it just it happens to every team. But if there is a team that has an excuse this year, it is the Broncos. Cortland Sutton, gone for the year. Vaughn Miller, gone for the year. Jarrell Casey, gone for the year. A.J. Boye, not gone for the year, but on IR with a shoulder injury. Drew Locke, out with a shoulder injury right now. Philip Lindsay's been in and out of the lineup with a turf toe injury. They have just been absolutely wrecked by injuries this year and at 1-3, and three, look, they beat the Jets. I don't even know if that should count for a win. The Jets aren't a football team. You got to think this is a tough one for Denver. There's a reason they're a double-digit underdog in the game. I'd be very surprised if they win. Look for the Pats to just try to run the ball down their throat, play it safe, don't make the picks. Um, that would be what I would expect in that game. Low scoring. We're fine if we're winning 20-14. to 14. We're not worried about Brett Rippey and beating us. The, the Pats are going to rumble at them to death and say, go ahead, let Brett Rippey and throw against our secondary. If Mahomes couldn't do it, I don't think Rippey doing it. Then there's the Chargers, who play on Monday night down the Superdome. They originally talked about maybe moving that game to Indianapolis because of the, the hurricane or the tropical storm that is the closing in on the Bayou area. However, they've now said that they're very likely to play the game in New Orleans which is good news. I hope everybody down there stays safe. The Chargers are a seven-point dog in this game. Let me tell you something. I think the Chargers are going to be very competitive here. I'll tell you why. Los Angeles blitzes less than anybody in the league, about 10% of the time. Drew Brees averages about five and a half yards a target in the air, the shortest of anyone in the league. I believe he's tied with Sam Darnold. The Chargers are going to just have a, a short zone defense that entire game and say, go ahead, beat us. Throw the ball down the field. They are going to sit on Kamara. They're going to sit on the short routes. Now, they might get Michael Thomas back this, this week, the Saints do. So that, that would be huge, of course, one of the best receivers in the game. But I think the Saints, this is going to be a challenge for them. This is going to be a challenge. I think the Saints will win. They're at home. They're better. But Herbert, look, give credit where it's due. Justin Herbert has been really, really, really good this year. I've been absolutely impressed. They went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady and the Bucs in, in Tampa, and I think Tampa is a Super Bowl caliber team. That's a team that blitzes a lot, confuses a young quarterback. He ended up throwing the bad pick at the end, and, and that is something we saw against the Chiefs. We threw the bad pick, kind of turned the game around. But Herbert's got a lot of talent. That kid is going to be very good. So I expect that game to be close. I don't think it's too big of a moment for the Chargers. That said... I do think both those teams will drop to one and four. And if they do and the Chiefs win, you are already up three on the Raiders, four on the other two teams, and you beat the Chargers on the road. You see them again week 17. And you've beaten the Raiders. And yes, again, you see them, uh, I believe it's only this thing, uh, week 11. Because the Chiefs have the week 10 bye. So you're coming out of the bye and getting the Raiders. Not ideal uh, if you're John Gruden and company, right? So I think those are all things to consider. And that just... To break away from the Raiders game for a second and just to kind of take that 30,000-foot view of everything in the league and everything really in the AFC as we still focus on the Chiefs, of course. This is a very big opportunity here for Kansas City over the next month of the season. 
This game against the Raiders, the Chiefs, I, I didn't mention earlier, are a 13-point favorite. Typically, if you're a 13-point favorite, you're the best team in the league hosting the worst team in the league. Now, the Raiders are not the worst team in the league. They're about an average team. But that's how good the Chiefs are. The early line is out for the Thursday night game next week, which we'll see if he even gets played Thursday night with everything going on with the Bills and the Titans right now. Might get moved to later in the week. Buffalo is undefeated at home. The Chiefs are on a short week, third game in 10 days. Typically, if you're unaware, the home team gets to be a three-point favorite just because they're home, and then you work the line off that. The Chiefs are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite in that game on the road against an undefeated team. Vegas is essentially saying, hey, we learned our lesson. We made the Chiefs a a three-and-a-half-point dog against the Ravens and took a bath over it. But here's why gambling and spreads aside, this is a really big stretch for Kansas City. There's only one bye week this year, right? The new format, seven teams in each conference, one bye. Now, if you're the two, you still get two games at home. It still matters, but it's not that week off. And players will tell you, coaches will tell you, that is so incredibly critical. Well, the Chiefs already have the breaker down on the Pats. Got on the Ravens. If Kansas City wins this game, they all but put away this division. And we're five weeks in. So then you can start focusing really on the conference race and not even so much on the division race. And then next week you get the Bills. We'll see if it's short rest, whatever, however it may be. If the Chiefs win on Sunday and then beat Buffalo, they are in an unbelievably strong position. Because the next four games, at Denver, home to the Jets, home to the Panthers, bye week, at Las Vegas. The Chiefs will be double-digit favorites in every one of those games. Maybe against the Raiders, depending how they're playing on the road, maybe the Chiefs are a 7- and 8-point favorite. They will be a double-digit favorite at home, or excuse me, on the road against Denver. They will be a 20-something point favorite against the Jets, and I imagine they'll at least be a two-touchdown favorite if they're undefeated going into playing Carolina. Sometimes in the season, we, we lose the forest for the trees, and we start looking at, okay, well, this game is, is so important because we got to beat the Raiders. It's Raider week. And, and hey, look, that's all true. If you're a Chief fan, it's a big rivalry. Absolutely. But they all have a bigger meaning. And the bigger meaning here is that if you win this game, you put yourself in a position where this division, I mean, something would have to go so ridiculously sideways that you don't even have to think about the division anymore. Now it becomes about, okay, we, we've checked that box, so to speak. Not officially, of course. But you've checked it, and it says, we have a commanding lead. We're in the best position we could be in. We are 2-0 in the division. We still have two of the games left at home, including as a charge. Well, I think even though they might be 1-4, I think it's the biggest threat to the Chiefs. I don't think the Raiders and the Broncos are. Certainly not Denver. And you start looking like you're just notching conference wins. That's another part of this. What if Pittsburgh goes 13-3? and Well, the Chiefs don't play Pittsburgh. Well, those conference wins are really going to matter, right? All the wins so far for the Chiefs, conference wins. These are huge games that you can just bank them one after the next. And so if you're the Chiefs, this is an enormous opportunity over the next month. Get another divisional win on Sunday and then just start stacking. The Bills are the one game that you look at and say it's a tough game. Chiefs don't play well, they could lose. But if the Chiefs play just well, if they play reasonably well, no major turnovers, they're healthy, which obviously that's out of everybody's control, but if they're healthy you got to be looking at them and going, this is everything you could ask for coming out of a Super Bowl defense. Remember when people thought, well, maybe they'll be stale. Maybe they'll have gotten fat on a title. Well, that doesn't seem to be a problem. 
Yeah, they're they're four and and I would argue, even though offensively they haven't been quite as dynamic as they normally are, although obviously they were great against Baltimore and certainly very good against Houston. This team's better than last year's team because this team's defense can kick ass. Okay, they are number one in DVOA against the pass, number one, and it matches up. That's that matches up with what you watch on film. The Chiefs are destroying teams when they're throwing the football. And they've seen, look, I get they got a break last week. They've seen Justin Herbert, who's played really well, and they didn't even get to prepare for him. They've seen Lamar Jackson, who's reigning MVP, and they've seen Deshaun Watson, who, while he is surrounded by complete garbage, is one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. Okay? Kansas City has played real quarterbacks outside of last week. They have destroyed these teams. And frankly... I don't see any reason for it to stop. Carr's a, a decent quarterback. He's not great. Allen is a very good young quarterback. He's obviously shown to have proved quite a bit this year, although I am interested to see if the Chiefs can force him into some turnovers. That is one thing he will do. Uh, he's Farvian in, in that respect. And then you get the Jets and the Panthers and the Broncos. I mean, these are teams that just, frankly, if Kansas City even plays a B game, they have no shot. So when you're thinking about the season and where you want it to go, Keep in mind, this is an enormous stretch. They've got five games for the bye. They're going to be favored in every one of them, significantly so in four of them. This week, for me, second quarter of the year starts. This is when you got to kick it into another gear. It's Raider week. They should have no problem getting up for it. The Chiefs, knock on wood, healthy as can be. Great opportunity to go out, get that fifth win of the year, handle your business, and then go to Buffalo and say, hey, we win this game. we got another breaker on, another Big-time competitor. And now the schedule opens up. And boy, are we in great shape. So, all those things to think about. As we close, just want to say one more time, if you have liked what you've heard this week, please subscribe to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I know I've already said it, but I'm going to say it one more time. Bear with me. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music, anywhere you get your podcast, the Arrowhead Attic Podcast is there. And by the way, Check out ArrowheadAddict.com. It is, in my opinion, the best chief site on the planet. Okay, And I've worked for a few of them. Arrowhead Addict is fantastic. You get all kinds of opinions, and you get honest, realistic opinions. It's not all just, hey, we're chief fans. It's going to be homerish. It's not. You get some real criticism there. I think it makes you a smarter fan. It makes you a better fan. I think Arrowhead Addict, which is run by Matt Connor. Uh, who you can follow, by the way, at Matt Connor, C-O-N-N-E-R-A-A, does a great job. If you want to follow me on Twitter for my NFL takes, I'm a national NFL reporter for fans, so I had to cover the whole league, but grew up a Chiefs fan, certainly pay closer attention to Chiefs than anybody else for obvious reasons, at Matt Verderam, V-E-R-D-E-R-A-M-E, and then at Patrick Allen, who we're hoping feels better here by the time this podcast goes up, or certainly by the game on Sunday, he is at R. Patrick Allen, okay? And then, of course, Arrowhead Addict at Arrowhead Addict. So, thank you so much for listening this week. We really appreciate it. Hopefully, Patrick will be feeling better, and both of us will be back on Sunday. But if not, I will be back. We will break down the game. We'll talk about who earned their arrowheads, and we'll start looking forward to a big matchup against the Bills. But for now, it's the Chiefs. It's the Raiders. It's Raider Week at Arrowhead Stadium. Go Chiefs, go. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.